Blog Talk Radio. Women have the power to transform this world. We can end crime and violence if we all agree to do one thing. Share. Let's share our wisdom, share our time, share our talents, share our finances, but most of all, let's share our love. This is The Female Solution. Join me, Naima Latif, every morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as we bring you stimulating discussions about the issues affecting our lives. If you're listening online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution, press the blue button that says follow and get our daily topics every morning directly to your email and your smartphone. Hi, I'm Naima Latif. Executive producer of the Female Solution Radio Show. We invite you to call in 515-605-9325 and participate in this daily think tank as we examine the challenges we face and develop solutions that restore peace and harmony. We are global transformers, changing the world from the way it is to the way it should be. We are one. Wherever we live on this earth, we are one human family. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to extend a greeting to all the members of our family, whenever and wherever you may be listening around the world. To our family in China, Ni Hao. In India, Namaste. In Japan, Konnichiwa. In Korea, Annyeong Hapeo. In Russia, Zrastutsie. In Germany, Guten Tag. In Poland, Dzień Dobry. In France, bonjour. In Spain, hola. In Italy, ciao. In Egypt, ahen wasalan. In Ghana, akwaba. In Nigeria, peleo. In South Africa, saobona. In Senegal, nangadet. In Kenya, jambo. In Israel, shalom. In Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia, assalamu alaikum. Greetings. And may peace be upon you all. Tune in to Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear great topics and stories on grief and turn it into victory. Join Dr. Debbie Green to listen to stories of triumph and learn how to overcome. You are not alone in your life, and there is hope in the darkest hour. This is your time to learn strategies and solutions to improve your life. It's your time. So join Dr. Debbie Green with Sofa Solutions and call in on Thursday at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at 515-605-9325 with comments and questions. Look to hear from you real soon. Yes. All right, all right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Soulful Solutions. And my name is Dr. Debbie Green. It is a pleasure having you with me today. It's a good day to be alive, don't you think? Absolutely. <laughs> I tell you what, it's a rainy day in Georgia here. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's been raining all week long. I, I just think that. You know, the creator is watering his flowers and cleaning 
cleaning away debris that we probably don't even need. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, our topic today is uh, a real delicate topic that um, I have been instructing on and counseling on for quite a long time, and it's called uh, codependency. Mm. Um, I want to say that we grow, we grow up being codependent on our loved ones, uh, you know, our parental figures as well as uh, other individuals that, you know, might have had, you know, a hand in our upbringing um, because we're all, we were told what to do, how to do it, when to do it, how long to do it, whatever it was. And the, and the thing about this is the codependency didn't just start in our home. It actually went into the school place. So mm. as long as we, I mean, from kindergarten, you know, saying head start, wow. going to first grade all the way to 12th grade, we are told what to do, how to do it, when to do it, how long to do it. And guess what? It doesn't stop there. It continues to go even in our workplace. You know, and I wait. But you go to work, you do this, you do it at a certain time, and then you get paid, and then you leave. So the world, society, is built upon codependency to a certain degree. Yeah. But the problem is, is when you when you are free that you don't realize your own freedom. Mm. So I want to go deep into that because. What I found out over years is that severe codependency leads to anxiety and depression uh, because it gets to a point where people really don't, well, let's just say it like this. They're not self-aware enough to realize that they are involving their lives too much into another person's life. Uh And the person that they want to be involved with may not want them that close. However, they may say it in different ways or through actions, through behaviors, but that doesn't mean the person that wants to be close even notices. Mm. And the reason why they don't notice is because they have a codependent mindset. Mm. You won't know it unless you understand that you're too close for comfort. So I want to dive down into that and let's, well, first I want to start with the parental figures. We call them the helicopter mom Mm. or the, Mm. uh, (laughs) the helicopter mom, right? And you know, if you don't know what that is, you know, I'm talking about women here because they're also from helicopter dads too, okay? All right. So, which means that um, they overemphasize their choices on their children. They overemphasize their choices on their children, which means they don't leave space for the child to be themselves. They don't leave space for the child to learn from their own mistakes. And the child grows up thinking that I need this validation from my parent in order for me to say I've done well. So it takes away the independent will. It also takes away the self-confidence. It also takes away the self-esteem. Because self-confidence and self-esteem is grown into. And we just don't wake up being confident. We, what happens is that we accomplish 
accomplish something that we feel that we did, and it makes us feel good. However, if we are around certain individuals that say, oh, you could have done better than that, oh, that's not your best, then it makes us feel low. I mean, low. Which means, another word for low, it makes us feel that we are not good enough. It makes us feel that we didn't accomplish anything that other people thought was good enough to pat us on the back and say, hey, you know what, you did a great job. And I'm not saying that this always happens. I'm just saying in certain situations, if you wait, if you if a child grows up with a codependent parent, that child will try to live through that child. That parent, excuse me, will try to live through that child. Mm. I mean, because they grew up codependent. So this is how it is. It just kind of passes all the way down. And everyone doesn't blend good with codependency. Mm. At first, you know, the the person may not say anything far as, you know, living up to someone else's expectations. They may just, you know, do the best they can. They may suppress feelings. And they may not tell this person, well, I think that you may be a little bit too harsh on me. I think that I've done my best and that's the best I can do. Or they you know, they may not say anything. They may just be quiet about it. But what happens is, as they go along in life, from childhood to adolescence to a young adulthood, they always feel that they have to go far and beyond to accomplish anything in successes because they want the validation. Remember, they didn't get it when they were younger. So they always feel that they have to overcompensate over success. So it makes them thrive harder. And if they don't get what they expect, they start feeling, again, unworthy. Mm. They may or may not tell anyone. They may just feel that in themselves. So that then if they constantly go through this cycle on a regular basis, then here comes anxiety and and here comes depression because now it becomes severe. That's going on. Some people are codependent, and they may, may never even experience any type of depression or anxiety. However, they may still feel, I'm not good enough. They may still feel, you know, that was not my best, even when it was. You know what I mean? So they still may be hard on themselves. So it just depends, because you have mild, moderate, and severe symptoms. Mm. Of codependency. Well, I have a I have a question about a situation. Actually, it's kind of two situations that I've experienced. One was a friend of mine. You mentioned the helicopter mom. Now, this this female friend with a son. She raised him as a single mother, and was very present in his life, you know, she was the kind of mother that was heavily involved in, you know, the PTA and going to the school and meeting with the teachers and making sure he had the right classes and all of that. And if if there were any, any issues, you know, she first went up to the school. And so she was very involved 
And then she was very encouraging, you know, so he got through school, uh, got through, you know, his master's degree and got a doctorate and all that sort of thing. And his very hardworking son. And she's very proud of what he's achieved, but I've observed how involved she is in his personal life. And, you know, any any woman that he dates, she wants to meet and, and approve of and and. There was one situation that kind of really made me wonder. This young lady that he said that he really loved, but his mother didn't like her and didn't think that she was worthy enough or hardworking enough for her son. You know, she's a nice young lady, but, um, you know, wasn't whatever the standard was that my friend had for her son uh, in terms of somebody who was ambitious enough or whatever. So he encouraged the son to break up with the young lady. And I saw how this young man was really distraught, but he obeyed his mother. And she was bragging, oh, he's, you know, such a good boy. And, you know, and she was telling me he was a good boy, and he's like 28. I'm like, you still call him a boy? So, you know, I just, I'm, I'm just observing that. And, um, I felt really bad for this young man, and I'm thinking, is he ever going to be able to have a relationship because he has a mother that has so dominated his life because the father is not at, is not present, and he dotes on her. I mean, he's really a good boy. You know, I mean, he shops for his mother. He does all the things that she wants, and she's just so proud of him. But I see that in that area of his life, she has, in my opinion, managed to cripple him. So I'm I'm just wondering, um, is that an unhealthy situation? Because he's an adult now. I mean, he has the, he has the power to say no. Well, Mom, I'm going to live my own life, but he chooses not to, and she finds merit in that. So I just said, well, let me just mind my own business. But I kind of felt sorry for the girl because <laughs> that's kind of an awful thing to happen where you wanted to be with someone but your mother said she's not the right one for you, so you end your relationship. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on that <laughs> that level of control where, I mean, they have a, obviously a loving mother-daughter, I mean mother-son relationship, but how will, how would he ever, I guess, break free unless he finds someone that his mother approves of? And even then, I just foresee her kind of being very overly involved in his personal life. I mean, yeah. what are your thoughts on that? Well, um, one thing, I just want to give a definition of codependency, so just in case someone's like, what is that? Um, in a codependent uh, relationship is an imbalanced relationship that one would rely on another's uh, validation or opinions um, even if they approve or even if they don't approve. And it is more so um, they're, they're seeking, a, you know, approval. So in this case that you are talking about, Naima, is that the son is allowing that because he's still seeking approval of his mom. Now, as he gets, of course, he's older now, and I'm sure at some point he started, that started way when he was a little boy. You see what I'm saying? And um, because of him just allowing that and with a continuance of, of same behavior, now he's caught up in it. You see what I'm saying? So it's like I can't get out of it because, you know, I don't want to hurt her 
want I don't want to disappoint her in any way. But then what he's finally realizing at this point is that it's not just him being a little boy saying, Hey, don't do this, don't do that. Now it's looking at, oh, who are you dating? Now it's looking at how much time you, you know, you are spending doing this or doing that. Or uh, again, when one's choices is uh, actually influencing another person's life and interrupting another person's life. So there's a good chance that if and when this young man gets a significant other in his life and if she does not approve of that person, that's when everything is going to start to change at that point. And uh, whoever the person is, the significant other is going to give him an ultimatum, which is that, you know, hey, it's either going to be your mother or me. That's, <laughs> that's what I see. You know what that's, I mean? that's what I see. Yeah, yeah unfortunately, it, it has those undercurrents of dysfunctions in families. And, you know, people get hurt, you know. And it's not that, you know, it's nothing wrong with codependency, but again, you have to have boundaries and limits to what you are impressing in other people's lives. You cannot expect to live through another person's life, even though you may not agree what they're doing, but you have to let them live. You have to let them make their own mistakes, let them uh, make their own choices and, and decisions. Um, and, you know, you can, you know, guide, you can direct, you can influence. I wouldn't ask you to advise because it would not be what would work for you may not work for them. And then things start to, uh, you know, get, let's just say, discombobulated between you and that person uh, because people really don't want to be told what to do, especially once they get a certain age. They really don't. If they ask you for, hey, how should I handle this, always foremost say, what did you do first before you asked me? <clears throat> and that way, at least you're involving their opinions and not just telling them the way you said. What did you do first? What didn't work for you? You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, if you need my validation, why do you need why do you need my validation to make you feel good? If you want to break those bonds, break those bonds of codependency, you say, no, you can make yourself happy. And if you're trying to break a bond on the other side, you let a person know that I love you, but I can't live for you. So how does a person know if they are that kind of parent who is who has created a codependency relationship where their child is not able to function independently without their approval or without their involvement? How does a person know when their their desire to be a supportive parent has perhaps gone overboard and they have now rendered their their grown adult child a bit dysfunctional because they can't operate or make decisions dependent independently because of that that overly strong parental tie how how does how does one know if one has become that parent that has done that to their child when they put their needs before their own mm. Mm. Most, par- 
let me give you an example. Um, like most parents, you know, they will go completely without for long periods of time. Yeah. You know, and give to their children, even when their children are fully capable of going to work and taking care of themselves, they still would do that. They would never. They think no is a dirty word. Mm. They say no, I can't do this. I think you need to do this for yourself. They just keep giving, 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 giving until they empty out, and they no longer have anything left to give. And then what happens then? The person that they're giving it to then feels rejected, even when the person that's giving it can't give it anymore, and makes them feel guilty because they cannot do it. Mm. See what I'm saying? Because that person is going to automatically feel guilty because this is a habit. Codependency can be an addiction if you're not careful. The addiction is I have to make my family happy. I have to make my daughter, my son happy, and I got to do whatever it takes to do that. Mm. And if I, when I don't do it, then it makes me feel like I'm not a good parent. It makes me feel that I'm not worthy. It makes me feel guilty. It makes me feel remorse. It makes me feel ashamed. And then mm. when they reject me because of what I, what I think that I don't do, then it makes me feel idolized. I mean, like, ostracized. I mean, like, the word I'm trying to look like when you uh, feel pushed away, rejected. Um, yeah, ostracized. You know, ostracized, yes. Uh, when you are to a point where, hey, I love you, but I don't understand. Why, why aren't you there for me when I need you? Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? I was there for you, blah, 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 blah. Okay. But now, you're not there for me when I need you. So that makes them feel a certain type of way. You know what I'm saying? The person that is, that they want it from usually doesn't even acknowledge the pain that the person is going through that doesn't receive it any longer. Mm. Uh, what I found out in my studies, Saima, is that most people, uh, if they are suffering uh, with uh, depression, if they had a life of codependency from adolescent years, it could be one of the factors that keeping this, uh, you know, codependency going. But the codependency is also adding to the depression because one often needs validation in codependency. Did I do it right? You know, do you still love me? Do you do you still accept me? Because I need your approval. I need to know that you are still happy with me. So if that person is not getting that, you know, satisfaction from that person, then they start, you know, feeling, they start dwindling, they start decreasing in, in, uh, in, in self-value, then going into self-defeat, going into self-sabotage, and, you know, slowly but slowly they get into a deep pit. Because if that person ever leaves them in some way or rejects them for long periods of time, they they start feeling extremely alone. Mm. And that that's what causes the depression because it's grief then and you go into a grief stage. Well, there there's a, another situation, uh, a friend that was going through some difficulty because he felt like his wife was being taken advantage of by her parents 
Um, you know, they've become seniors, and uh, she kind of takes care of them. They're not they're not at the stage where they, you know, are are physically disabled in the sense of perhaps not being able to walk or or drive, but she still runs errands for them and things like that. And she feels like, you know, I'm being a good daughter. He feels like they interfere with the marriage, like, you know, family time where, you know, he wants her to be able to spend, you know, Sunday mornings with them. And But, oh, well, you know, my parents need me to drive them to church or my parents need me to go and do this, you know, or if he maybe uh, wants her to go to an event with him uh, and it's like, well, no, my, you know, parents need me to go in and take care of this for them or, you know, go and help them with, you know, this uh, issue with their, you know, gas bill or whatever the situation is. And he's kind of feeling like he's playing second fiddle to her parents. And, you know, I mean, they're, they're middle-aged. They're, their children are, you know, college age and everything. But the, the parents, of course, are elderly. But, you know, they she feels like, well, they need me, and you should understand. He feels like they're they're keeping you away from your marriage, you know, and that's not fair. So they they can't they can't reach a, a happy medium because he feels like she they didn't allow her to grow up and not become the little girl that they control and she feels like, you know, you should understand just because you didn't have the kind of close relationship with your parents that I have doesn't mean that I'm doing things wrong. So at what point does a person realize that either they're not um, as independent from, you know, relationship, a parent-child relationship as they should be, or perhaps, you know, you've, you've gone through that next stage where you now have to take care of elderly parents because they need your help where it's you know, maybe they didn't. Uh, it's difficult to tell, you know, if, if the husband's being, is, is he being selfish or is she being insensitive to his needs as her husband and he's feeling like, you know, I don't. my wife is gone all the time over at her parents' house and we can't even hardly spend any time together. We kind of thought we'd have this time that our children are out the house, you know, and now we, it, it, so he's, yeah, you know, feeling that, that there's just too much uh, yeah. control or, or, I guess, dependency on her. But how do you tell, especially if somebody is elderly, needs you, or seems to need you, or it, can that be a point of manipulation? How do you tell? Well, the thing about it is just everything you just said does not have any balance. So that what which means that there's a good chance that the uh, structured uh, visitations are not structured. <laughs> they're mm-hmm. not structured. Like, they're not timely. They're, mm-hmm. like, sporadic. And usually if it's sporadic, it looks to be like the, when a husband says that, it's like, wow, you're never home. But 
because it's not structured. Now, she told him, well, I'm going to be over there, and this is the schedule for the whole week, the whole month, on these dates, these times right here. Then he already knows. Yeah. But when, but, but there's no structure there, and she just pops in, and there's no, there's no structure, there's no timing, then he's going to feel left out. Yeah. So if she, if she structures it, and, she, and, and, and then she sits down with him and says, okay, what do you want to do for the week? What do you want to do for the next two weeks? What do you want to do for the month? Is there some things you want us to do? So I can put that in my, in my, my calendar. So I can let mom and dad know or whoever, you know, I'm going to be here on this time, you know what I'm saying, on, on this day, you know, and if there, if there needs to be some other care involved, then somebody needs to call, call a home health agency because they should have insurance to have someone come in there at first thing in the morning and, you know, to do, you know, whatever it is, maybe some, um, you know, some slight house, some light housekeeping, uh, you know, maybe making sure they get their meds or whatever the case may be. It needs structure. What you said to me, it doesn't have any balance. Yeah. Well, you know. It's sporadic. So, oh. That's what they yeah. need to do. That way they won't get the the husband and wife will not have these issues where one doesn't feel they have enough time with the other because you're going to know ahead of time. Right. You're going to know ahead of time. Right. You see what I'm saying? So you can't complain when you already know the schedule. Right. Now, one thing he did say. Happens, well, one thing he did say that came up because he had suggested, well, you know, why, why can't they get one of these agencies, and, and she's like, well, why would I do that to my parents? You know, they, they have children. They, their children should be taking care of them. And she said, well, what about, what about your other siblings? You know, you got, yeah. you got, you got a brother, and, 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 and she's like, well, you know, men don't do that kind of thing. It's, it's, it's my responsibility. And like, well, no, that's your, you, you, they're both your parents. How come he can't help? So, you know, it's, it's, it's been her choice. Yeah, it's, it's been her choice. choice to just, make uh, him feel like you're not being supportive of me needing to take care of my parents and him feeling like you're not putting any energy into our marriage and they're just kind of guilting you into doing everything and, and, you know, your brother just feels like, oh, well, that's that's her job. She's the daughter, you know. And so She's not a priority. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. That's what that's he's That's all that is. He's not a priority. Her mother and her father is a priority. Yeah. And she's and, and it's clear to see that she's the one that's taking control. She's it's probably not even her brothers and sisters. It's her. She wants to do it. Yeah. She desires to you know, she wants to. This yeah. is this is her she wants to control everything. Yeah. That's what she wants to. So it's it's putting a damper on her marriage because She's not prioritizing and she's not balancing. Yeah. She's not balancing. So that's the reason why he feels the way she, you know, and I'm sure other people feel that way as well in their family. Like, you know, okay, you can't just have a say so over everything. You need to consult us. But that's not probably what she's doing. Yeah. Because you said something on key. That, the, so I know that she's codependent. You say that because that's codependency. This is that's codependency when you are a caregiver. Mm. Codependency, the, you can really go say caregiving as well. When there's other siblings in the in the family, and if those other siblings just say no, I don't want to, 
you. That's different. But you have the ones that do. I have a patient that's on the um that I'm counseling right now that's going through the same thing. Except that her sisters don't want her involved, but she wants to be involved in her mother's caregiving. Mm. They don't want her involved. Ooh. Because she was suffering with a mental illness and they think that she is going to have some influence or whatever on her mm. mom, but that's not the case. She still loves her mother and she still desires to be around her. I mean, she's she's not to a point where she's just dealing with depression. That doesn't mean that she's going to hurt her mother in any way, but the sibling seems to think that she's not healthy enough mentally mm. to be around her mother, yeah. which is actually, uh, you know, prejudging her, making her feel, again, ostracized. This is what they do, right? So now she has to literally uh, go through family court just to see her mother. Oh, wow. That's that's that, that something because the, one of the sisters have a you know have a power, power of attorney on the mom and the, and the medical and the uh, you know making decisions and mom is uh, you know she has slight dementia um, but she still lives by herself with caregivers but yeah they're like oh we don't want you around because we think that you're gonna say the wrong thing do the mm. wrong thing prejudgment. Yeah. So this is another codependency area. But in, again, in that, what you're talking about, she's codependent with her, her parents. Mm. So she's not going to see or even understand the individuals that are around her that's suffering from her actions. Yeah, yeah. People can't see. Oh, I guess we got to take a break. And uh, for those of, yeah. those of you, if you're on our switchboard now and have a question uh, for Dr. Debbie Green, Press 1, and that will light your number up. Raise your hand. We'll open your mic and get your question or comment. And if you're listening online and want to join this conversation, give us a call, 515-605-9325. And, again, press 1 so we know that you have something to say if you're watching us on Facebook or YouTube. And make sure you like and subscribe us on YouTube so you can get automatic notices whenever Dr. Debbie goes live. We'll be right back after this quick break. So, We have an opportunity to transform the whole global society in the next 50 years. 50 years from now, the earth will be populated by a new generation of adults, many of whom are yet unborn. Our mission is to nurture them in childhood with love, guidance, and protection, and to raise them in healthy, happy families. If we impart values, of compassion, generosity, and respect for fellow human beings in the next generation of children, they will create a world where people can live together in peace. This is our goal. Be a part of the transformation. Get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. Go to www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. Do you want to live in a world without war? Join our global peace movement. Heavenly Culture World Peace Restoration of Light transcends culture, religion, ideology, and other boundaries to achieve peaceful harmony 
and the global society. HWPL is committed to bringing world peace and cessation of war through peaceful dialogue between religious groups. I am Director Shin Suk Kim of the HWPL Chicago branch of North America. Join us for our next gathering. Call 773-580-1501 and be a part of the movement for world peace. Email us at chicagohwpl at gmail.com. I'm Viata, your Holistic Life Coach. These days, it's more important than ever to work on your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Are you consciously breathing deeply in stressful moments? Do you have a plan or daily routine to maintain balance in your awesome body? Are you struggling to be disciplined in your eating habits? When you partner with me, I'll help you develop a personalized health plan that works for your particular lifestyle. You can find out more about me at yourholisticlifecoach.com where you can also review my three-step protocol to guide you to abundant health. That's yourholisticlifecoach.com and I'm Viato. Uh, life has to have balance. 
get older and as life continues to happen because a lot of relationships are destroyed with codependency. People don't want you holding on to them too tightly. They don't want you to always have every choice or decision that they make or you make have an answer. Sometimes people just want to be who they are. So the laws of giving and receiving really play a heavy role in codependency. You could be the giver or the receiver, but you must have balance. If you do not set healthy boundaries and healthy, I call property lines, you will never feel that you have accomplished anything. Because, again, even at your highest success moment, you always feel it's not good enough. Mm. Now, I, ha- I have, uh, there's a, well, there's a couple I've been sort of trying to counsel, but it's a little bit difficult. Um, when they first got married, you know, everything seemed wonderful, Uh this woman was exactly what my my friend thought he wanted, totally dedicated to him and everything. You know, one of those kind of women that like to serve you and just do everything for you. And, you know, he's an outgoing person. She's kind of reserved. And after their marriage, she was insisting that he stay home more. And he kind of noticed she didn't have, any friends. She didn't have a social life. She was totally uh, into him, you know, and and his life and what he was doing. And and he said she would. He said she's clinging to me too tight, you know. As like I, I want to be out with my friends sometimes. And she's saying, well, why do you? Why do you need to do that? You're married now. And so. You know, he grew up in a, in a single parent home, so he didn't really have a, a, a view of what is a what a what a balanced relationship would look like. So he's not sure. Well, am I not doing it right? I mean, I, am I, was my life supposed to be over just because I'm married? You know, how come she doesn't? I mean, I don't tell her she can't go out with her friends. How come she doesn't have any friends? You know, so he's kind of frustrated that she feels like his life should be. You know, you work, you come home, we spend the nights together. We, you know, they don't have any children yet, and uh, he's just feeling like. She's too clingy and doesn't have other activities other than him, which I guess when they were dating that, you know, really uh, fed his ego. Oh, she's all into me and, you know, and always there when I need her, always ready to come when I call. You know, perfect, you know, perfect woman. She's into me. Now I can't get rid of her, so to speak. I mean, he's really feeling frustrated that – she doesn't have anything in her life but him, and he doesn't want to feel tied down like that. And you know, unfortunately, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't have male friends around him that can model what a balanced marriage looks like. Where you know, you have your time together, and then she's got time with her friends. You have time with your friends, because you know, she doesn't have any friends. And his other friends, most of them are not married, so of course, you know, they do what single men do. They go out and have fun and everything and uh so he's he's just not sure how to handle that feeling of not being expected to have 
a social life without her, and unfortunately they don't they don't have any married couple friends because you know most of his friends are you know periodically dating and you know not necessarily with someone on a permanent basis so that they could build a community of married young couples. So, you know, is, is there such a thing as even when you're married, being too dependent on someone, how, how much how much independence is a person expected to uh, retain after marriage, and when does one know when one is smothering the other person? Well, when they don't have space. <laughs> they need space. I mean, in a healthy relationship, you should have space. I mean, you have some people that, oh, I want to be around my significant other, my wife, my husband, all the time. That's not healthy. Yeah. Says if it's not mutual, yeah. Cause <laughs> I mean, not all the time. No, yeah. not all the time. Yeah. They need space. It's, it, what happens is, Naima, as time goes on, one of them are going to feel smothered, and that's what, that's what happens in this situation. Mm-hmm. One of them are going to feel smothered because they don't have uh, another outlet. You need another outlet yeah. for balance. Yeah. You know, you need an outlet for balance. You're not supposed to always be with your husband. You're not supposed to always be with your wife. I mean, yeah. okay, you know, when you're going home, Okay, we together, all right, so, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out for a minute, you know, and that may be shopping, that may be, you know, events, you know, you go out, I mean, sure, you know, not with the boys to, uh, you know, a girly club, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no, but what I'm saying is you do structured things, you know, and you can also do this coupled off if you want to. You know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, going out with other, you know, like-minded couples. Yeah. You know, you know, but that's fine, but you, you, you have to have balance. Because if you don't have balance, again, one of you are going to get bored with each other. Yeah. And if you don't get bored, you're going to feel smothered. You know, and that's the situation here. I have a, a, a Facebook viewer. Carolyn Heron, she says, very true balance is needed in every relationship. Mm. And that is so very, very true. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All relationships need balance. And I think, again, people think, like, and this can happen between friends. Oh, why don't you, you know, you know why, don't, why don't we go out together? Uh, why are you going out with her when you need to go out with me? You know what I'm saying? Why are you doing yeah. People, they, they tend to gravitate to each other and often find themselves in these relationships that are unhealthy. And you may meet a person, right? And you may not know that person is unhealthy, right? So they become real attached to you mm. very quickly. They call you every day. They want to see you all the time. You know, and I'm not just talking about a heterosexual relationship. I'm talking about you can meet, you know, a female, like a, a woman can meet another woman that is always, because she has attachment issues. Some people have those, again, and this is codependency, right? 
I want to be in your life. Now, you can even meet, again, a heterosexual, monogamous relationship, and somebody tell you, oh, you are my life. Mm. Most people think that is, you know, oh, you're my life. I can't live without you. And they're like, oh, thank you. Oh, it, it, it sounds real. You don't want that to be literal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but guess what, though? You don't know that. Mm. You don't know that somebody may tell you that, oh, it sounds really good. When somebody's, oh, I'm so glad, thank you so much for telling me that, oh, that makes me feel so good. But then you know what it is, that these could be new relationships. Mm. New relationships, like, when the first, mm, I'd say three to six months, right? Three to six months, somebody says, oh, I love you, and I can't live without you. I don't know about that. Yeah, right. I wouldn't want a person not to be able to live without me because, you know, one of us is going to die before the other probably well, unless we, no, you know, both in a car accident not. together. So you're going to have to live without me or something. Out <laughs> like that. That's a red flag. No, that's yeah. a red flag if you start out that way. Yeah. Um, because it, it lets you know that this person it, that has attachment issues. Mm. Attachment issues. And most people, they do that. Then you have the other kind of codependent person that's looking for a person to be responsible for. Like, they draw people who have addictions. Ooh. And they're always trying to help them with their addiction. Oh, I've, I've seen that. They always, that. oh, no, well, you know, I know I know he's going to get better. And he's constantly arguing and fighting you. You're constantly giving him money. So he can, you know, keep his addiction going. Mm. Oh, I, I know, you know, better. he means well. He just needs help or she just needs help. And you stay in it. And the more, the longer you stay in the relationship, the worse the it gets. They start gets. to use you. Now they're involved with somebody else and you don't even know. Because you go yeah. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? You say it can take a different turn. So now you in the dump. This person has left you. You don't give them everything you had. You don't went to the end of the world with them because they were your world. Mm. You told that this is my life. I love you. You know, you need to understand how much I love you. Okay. Mm. All right, so now that love that turns into torment, it ain't, it ain't no more love anymore. It's obscured. It's dysfunctional. And you still right there trying to rescue this person. I have seen that and I and and I I've had a couple of associates who I guess they grew up in that era where, you know, marriage was supposed to be forever and so you just stayed no matter what the situation was and they were in situations with alcoholics, you know, people who drank and it was a regular cycle and, you know, the person, the marriage looked normal on the outside, but then the person would drink and go through that Jekyll and Hyde thing, you know, and they become another personality and, you know, maybe if not get physically violent, get verbally abusive and... You know, and then there'd be fights, and then they'd make up, and they'd go through this cycle, and the non-drunk person <laughs> would be miserable, but just stay there because, you know, we made these vows, and, you know, and they'd complain and complain and complain, but never leave. And, I mean, I had one friend that 
I finally learned not to say anything, just let her vent, because she, A, she wasn't going to leave, and yeah. B, her husband wasn't going to get help. So that's just how their marriage was. It was stuck in the dysfunction. Uh, he had a good job. He managed to not drink during the weeks. He only got drunk on the weekends, but then he got drunk and ignorant on the weekends. They had their weekend fight, and... You know, she'd be angry, and you know, a couple of times she spent the night at a friend's house because her husband got abusive. But then she ended up going back, and you know, just the cycle, years and years, and they've been married for years. And I think people just get used to dysfunction, and that is just the life they've chosen to stay in. And I, I just, yeah. I just had to turn my my emotions off. And let her vent without even being sarcastic and saying, "Yeah, you say that, but you know you're going back to him." I mean, I don't even say that. Anymore. I just let her vent because, you know, that's just I, what she's chosen to do. Well, this particular relationship you just spoke of is very dysfunctional and unfortunately uh, leads to health conditions. Mm. Okay, that's where it leads. Uh, Carolyn Heron made a great point as well. I want to read that to our viewers. Um, she said, some people can't deal with a person who doesn't totally rely upon them for everything. Somehow they feel like it's something wrong. No, it's nothing wrong. You're just used to dealing with broken people. Mm, yes. Yes. Wanting to be in control. Broken people. Yeah. Let, me, let me say this. Broken people attract broken people. Wow. Okay. You attract you what you are. That's what you are. Yes, you attract what mm. you are. That's the bottom line, right? So you have to ask yourself, why do I need completion within myself for another human being? Mm-hmm. Fix you, repair you, heal you first, and then you will attract someone who else is healed. Right. And, you know, it's an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing thing. So I also want to ask uh, our viewers to, you know, think about this rhetorically. If you're in a situation, right, and you've been in, I'm talking about adult situation, you're in an adult situation and you know this person that you care for a lot, has these issues of separation anxiety. And you are in this in this relationship and you find it very difficult to leave. But you know the longer you stay is the more painful your life is going to turn out. Because this person is dysfunctional, they are always expecting something of you, they want to control your life possibly even narcissistic, because narcissism is one of those things that's different than codependency, but they can have severe codependencies and some underlining areas of narcissism. So now it's hard for you to get out of that relationship, because now you feel like you're walking on eggshells. If there's anyone listening to me that's in that relationship, please allow yourself to really look at the situation very closely and predetermine 
what you want to do quickly. Mm. Due to the fact, because it's injuring you emotionally, spiritually, and mentally, whether you realize it or not. That is the reason why you, you're not feeling well. That is the reason why your energy is low. That is, easy, that is the reason why you feel indecisive, like things are just not working out. It's because you're picking up energy that is not healthy for this mm. individual. I think sometimes people have been raised with the notion that they are only valid if they're in a relationship. And so there's, and I know women tend to be raised with that philosophy, unfortunately. We we do this to our daughters, you know, and I've seen people even do do this to their daughters, you know. Uh, <laughs> I had a friend a couple of years ago, her daughter graduated, uh, you know, at the top of her class, uh, her college class. And, you know, she just got her master's and, uh She's just been offered this fantastic job, and, you know, first thing her mother said was, mm, but when are you going to get that MRS degree, you know, trying to say, like, when she going to get married? And, you know, the daughter kind of confided in me later, said she's always doing that to me. You know, we're, we're that's why I don't even like to, to come uh, visit for holidays, you know, last Thanksgiving. That's all she talked about, and I, you know, had all these achievements I'm doing and everything, and... And her and she said, her and my aunts, yeah, but are you seeing anybody? You know, and they made me feel like all I've achieved means nothing if I'm not in a relationship. Yeah. You know? and, and, and the young woman was kind of despondent about that because she had been made to feel like her excellence was not enough. If You know, if you don't have no man, then, you know, none of that means anything. That's That's the way her mother and her aunts viewed life, and maybe it's the way they were raised, their generation or whatever it was, but this young woman who's really dynamic, got a lot going on, but was not valued by the women in her family because she wasn't in a relationship. So are we doing this to our daughters? Are we setting them up to, to, to feel that, you know, they're, they're not valid unless they're with somebody, that they need to be validated in order to be of value? Are we doing that? Well, actually, it just sounds like the mother is emplacing her beliefs upon her daughter, and that's not fair to her if she chooses not to be in a relationship or if she has not found a significant other yet, then oh well. But she needs to be focused on her accomplishments, not on her personal life. That's mm-hmm. not healthy. And unfortunately, the daughter, again, grew up in the same household so she's still feeling the same way she felt as a child, not good enough. Mm. You see what I'm saying? And, yeah. and this, this is what families do to each other, unfortunately. And if that person doesn't have a strong, um, you know, understanding of who they are and feel comfortable in their own skin, mm. they will always feel, again, not good enough because of what someone else's approval was not validated. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And uh, I, it's, it's sad that people don't know that they can harm each other with their words um, and not look at being emotionally available for their own children or their own friends or whatever. Because if someone said it to you, you know, it would affect you. 
But when you say it to someone else, you don't look at the effects that you are implying upon another person's life. You see right. what I'm saying? Right. That's what you call no awareness. Mm. Mm. And no emotional availability. Yes, yes. Well, we got to take a break, and we got a hand raised in the studio, so... Three one two five nine seven. We've got to take a quick break. We'll come right back yeah. and uh-huh. get your comments. And if you're listening online and want to join this conversation, give us a call five one five six zero five nine three two five and press one. That'll raise your hand in our studio, and we'll open your mic and get your thoughts. And if you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook, feel free to write in your comments, and we will share them with our listening and viewing audience. And we'll be right back after this quick break. So stay with us. Have you ever dreamed of going to exotic places, meeting fascinating people, enjoying uplifting music, and spending nights in a luxurious hotel? Do you look forward to a relaxing vacation where you can walk along the beach or sit in a quiet park and enjoy the sunset or sunrise? Whether you're flying around the world or driving across the country, we will share travel tips that will help you stay safe while you enjoy the journey. Join me every third Saturday of the month, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, and move around with Deborah here on the Female Solutions Show. Call in and comment, 515-605-9325, and press 1 to speak. It's time to take charge of your health. I'm Viata, your holistic life coach, and every Friday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, I'm here on The Female Solution to empower you to make choices that will assist your evolution to abundant health. I'm also blogging every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time at Soul Purpose Healing where I bring you a spiritual chiropractic adjustment to bring you back into alignment with our Creator's love, compassion, and wisdom. Join me every Friday morning at 8 a.m. and Sunday evening at 8 p.m. for a time of unity, enlightenment, and love vibration. Shalom.
back to Soulful Solutions. Again, my name is Dr. Debbie Green and my wonderful co-host, Naima Latifah, executive producer of The Female Solution. And if you're just joining us, uh, we are talking about codependency, where loving you hurts. Let's take that caller, please. All right, area code 312-597. Your mic is open. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your question or comment for Dr. Debbie Green. Oh, okay, this is Kubi calling from under the sun. Uh, love the topic. Hello. Yes. How are you today? Uh, little little kickback. I uh got kicked off of Facebook because I shared that uh, President Russian Putin, his grandfather, his great grandfather was a black man born in Cameroon, Africa, and I posted it, and it cut me off. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's I. You know, I, I need to stay out of other people's business. But I mean, uh, this conversation kind of hits home a little bit with me because I was such a focused child. You know, um, held my virginity for a long time. I was just focused on. I I knew I had gifts, and I, I was focused on succeeding. And so right before I went to college, my mom, she sat me down on the kitchen table. She said, well, when are you going to have some babies? Mm. I said, well, I'm going to college. What are you talking about? Well, I want to know when you're going to have some babies. <clears throat> and a lot, my, a lot of my older brothers who went, who attended college, they, they actually left college because they had a baby. And uh, that hit that hit me, you know, when she told me that. And so when I did have uh, uh, children, um, I heard her voice saying, "Thank you," <laughs> you know. But uh, sometimes we need to look at both sides. That situation with that young lady and her mother. Her mother didn't know the value of the education and the focus that, that, that her daughter had. All she knew probably, you know, when she came up in the 50s or 60s, to have a child, that was the uh, the goal in each family. It wasn't to go to college. You had a child, they have a big party for you. Oh, my gosh, she's having a baby. And the whole neighborhood would get excited. That was the excitement, you know, when I grew up, you know, a pregnancy. That was like, you made it, girl. You reached, yeah. you know. <laughs> that is it. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Some, some, that was, that's, that's what they value, you know. And if you but, come along but, and you value something else, then you may be made to feel like you're, you're uh, less than competent in life because, you didn't have children, and that's what they considered success, whereas you may be, like you were, reaching for an educational goal, a career goal. That was your priority. So but, that happens to families, yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, I want to ask Debbie, sometimes we can look at the other side, and in families, that is, you know, mothers out here, they tell their son, their daughters, Please give me a grandchild. You know what I mean? Please yeah. extend the family. You know, so to look at the other side, I understand um, where they're coming from. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you, can't, you can't just say that they're wrong for saying it. I would be like a person if somebody, you know, tell me something, I ask you, why are you telling me that? You know, but to look at the other side, it is something that it is appreciated because a lot of times I've heard a lot of women out here, especially years ago, you know, they're like, I don't need a man. I'm not having a child. I'll get my career. And then guess what? They're 35 and they're 40 years old with no children, no man, and they, they're stuck. You understand? That, that, that's, that's happened to a lot of women right now. And they're like, oh, my God. I should have, I should have, I should have uh, met someone to take them along on this journey with me. That's my question to you. Yeah. Uh, can we consider to take someone on the journey with us? Because when you reach that journey, you choose someone who do, who don't have no idea what you've been through. So, can you address that for me? That, that's a good point. That, that's a good point. Well, well, thanks for bringing that up and. You know, uh, and, you know, the point that Koopy makes about how sometimes parents will ask, well, when are you going to have babies? I tend to think that maybe that might be connected to people looking at who's going to take care of me when I get older, because that's part of it, too. You know, before, uh, before Social Security paid for uh, in-home care or, you know, Medicaid paid for that, if people didn't have children, they could really be up a creek, you know. Uh, now they've got senior citizens facilities and things like that, but there was a time when that didn't exist, and the only security you had was your children taking care of you, your grandchildren taking care of you, depending on how old you got. You know, if you're getting to be your 80s and 90s, then you need somebody that's even younger to take care of you, and you look to your family. And so that was what was expected, that I'm going to have a child to take care of me when I get older and, you know, no longer of full strength anymore. So I think that might be a motivation. But even when it comes to the getting married thing, and, and again, a lot of people will uh, make a, especially make a female child feel like they're not successful if they haven't married and started a family at a certain age and some women choose not to because they want to focus on their own self and their own career. Sometimes it gets more difficult the older you get because you have two people that are more set in their ways as opposed to blending together earlier. But I think a lot of the a lot of the choices we're making now have to do with economic independence. People used to get together because of need and dependency. I need somebody to take care of me. And women back in the day were kind of programmed to look for someone to take care of them, whereas now that everybody's got their own money, we need different reasons why we're coming together. It isn't based on need. You know, even some men were very much disabled when it came to basic household maintenance skills, and so they needed a woman to take care of them. Well, now, you know, people are realizing you've got to raise your sons to know how to wash dishes and, and mop a floor and change a diaper just like you got to raise your daughters. So the, the, the incompetence and in functioning in the household is not the need that brings a man to a woman. So now we have people who are financially independent, 
they both have homemaking skills and know how to take care of themselves. So what is the reason we're getting together to be a couple now? It's The reason is different. And I think that's where, you know, a lot of, a lot of couples are having difficulty either coming together or staying together because the reasons aren't the same as they were in previous generations where it really was a, like a codependency. I can't live without you. I can't function. I don't know anything about how to pay bills. I don't know anything about how to maintain a house. So we have two people who don't know how to function in the other person's area of, of expertise, I guess, and so they stay together out of need. Now that we don't have that, how do we rebuild healthy relationships that are not based on codependency? Well, the thing about this is, again, you're talking about two different areas. It's true, it's, you know, most people, um, it just depends on, again, their parent uh, influencers. If, they're, if their parents are way older than they are, they're thinking from where they grew up. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, it's, like I said, it's from different eras. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times what happens is they clash. Yeah. They clash because of the mentality of the upbringing from one area in the early 1900s or whatever, you know, or from the 2000s. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. it's all different areas. And I think that when uh, people influence their children or influence other people, it's based upon what they learned, what they experienced. It's not based upon the present moment. And people would make decisions based upon present moments then we will have a less dysfunctions in a relationships such as family, code, um, you know, family and heterosexual relationships because my the way I grew up should not influence who you are today. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. It should not. No, it should be considered but not to the point where, oh, you need to look at it from this point of view and this point of view only. So that's why before two individuals get married, they need to sit down and talk about how they grew up, you know what I'm saying, yeah. what they experienced, you know, what trials yeah. or tribulations or abuse or whatever they might experience. All of it needs to come out before they get married. Don't wait until you get married and then somebody found out that you were sexually abused when you were six years old mm. and this is the reason why you're still going through your stuff. You see mm, what I'm saying? You need yeah. to talk about it now. Yeah. Because, see, that's when things start to fall apart. So codependency goes so deep into a family-structured relationship to the point where it even can get handed over to our generations and their generations if we're not careful. Um, people feel that they are the predeterminer of other people's lives just because they are family. And that's not true. I cannot yeah. predetermine what my child is going to wear or who she's going to date. Oh, no, I can't predetermine that. All I can do is offer, offer my guidance, offer my direction, offer my, my understanding of where I sit. When you try to pressure your, 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 your influences or your thoughts or your ideals, on another person's life, you're gonna notice something. If they don't feel the way you feel, they're gonna they're gonna change. Yeah. They're gonna change the way they respond to you. They may not even tell you, no, I don't want to do that, but notice their reactions. 
Right. They're going to feel uncomfortable. Because remember, they don't want to make you unhappy. Because they think if they make you unhappy, you won't love them. Mm. You see what I'm saying? They don't want to. They don't want to do that. So what they'll do is they will find a way to, you know, uh, just keep the momentum going in the relationship until it crashes and burns, because it will eventually. Because when you're not truthful, when you're really not truthful with another person, whether it's your son, your daughter, your husband, your wife, your mother, your sister, it doesn't matter. You can continue to pretend like everything is okay. But if you're not up, what I'm saying, truthful with them, truthful with them, what you said, I disagree with. What you said hurt my feelings because, not because you said it, it's because I feel this way when you said it. And you need to let them know that. Codependent people don't do that. Mm. They don't say anything. They just allow it. They suppress. We call it passive-aggressive mindsets. Mm. Victim mindsets. So I got to be a victim to your happiness. Mm. I'm not happy. I'm not content because I got to keep walking on eggshells to make you happy. And you may not even know. You may not even know that I'm unhappy. Mm. You may not even know that I'm that I, I feel uncomfortable because I love you so much, I just want you to think I'm all right. Mm. But deep down inside, you tearing me to pieces just being in your world. And every time I come to you, hold on, every time I come to you just with something that I think that you may understand, then here you go again telling me that it ain't this, it ain't that, it's this way, it's that way. Because you ain't listened from the first time. You didn't listen to me. You heard me, but you didn't listen to me. That's two different things, right? So what do we do in a situation like that? How can we come out of codependency to the point where people then understand, hey, not just see me, but hear me, feel me. You know, I don't want to be ignored any longer because what's happening is I'm starting to even ignore myself. Maybe I'm the person that has the issue because you you ain't seen that you're not changing. You're not doing anything different, so maybe it's me. That's what most people think is them. No, it's not you. Emotional manipulation, emotional deception, emotional sabotage is real, okay? And if the other person does not recognize that they have no emotional awareness that you are in pain, that's a big issue. Mm. Well, you know, years ago, um, I had an associate mm. who had been widowed. Um, and his wife, you know, passed away unexpectedly in a car accident, and they had a young son. Uh, well, the son was, you know, teenage at the time. Um, so it was, it was very traumatic for the family, of course, and so when his, when his, you know, his wife passed away, of course, you know, you grieve and everything, but after, you know, a couple of years, he wanted to start dating again, and his his son was very resentful. Now, his son, you know, he, he started dating when his son went away to college, and they had a big blowout when... Uh, 
when his son came home for a holiday and his father brought a girlfriend, you know, uh, to meet him, you know, hopefully to spend the holidays with them. The son became extremely angry and, you know, so the father had to or chose to, to break it off. And, you know, every time he got ready to to get involved with a young lady, his son would become very upset and almost treat him like, you know, you're cheating on mom, you know, which is how he said his son would make him feel. And so, you know, because I asked him, well, have you all gone through grief counseling? And he said, well, no. But the thing is, um, now that his son is grown and in his late 20s, because it's been over 10 years, they still have that relationship where the father is afraid to let his son know that he's seeing someone because his son has never approved of him replacing his mother, so to speak. And that tends to um, create an issue if you're grown but you feel like you need your son's approval or you can't openly bring your person around your family because your son will be angry, you know. So that kind of it keeps the father in a perpetual state of aloneness. Well, that's going to be uh, like that because neither one of them have grieved properly. And see, the son is still missing the mother because he has not let her go yet mentally and emotionally, so he cannot see his father with another person. Mm. Not only that, it's, it's, it's obvious that how they, when she was present, there's a good chance the son was codependent on the mom. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So that, that that figure, that mother figure, that nurturing is no longer there. So he doesn't want a replacement. Right. Because deep down inside him, he's angry because it's not well, it's not there. He's stuck in the stage, the grief stage of anger. That oh. is the reason why he can't see. And, he, and they didn't. They, they had grief counseling proper grief counseling, that will be something that would have surfaced and then he would have known that, wow, okay, I'm still holding on to mom with my heart and so my dad can't live his life because I'm still holding on to mom in my heart. You see what I'm saying? I can't yeah. see past what my heart is holding. You see what I'm saying? And then he needs to bring, you know, that needs to be an acknowledgement for, for his son Unfortunately, it is not there, so what's going to happen is that it's going to interrupt the father for continuing his life, and if he allows it, and this is the catch-22 in this, if he continues, the father continues to go and pursue a relationship, the son is going to probably get estranged from him mm. for a period of time until he deals with with his own stuff. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? He got to deal with his own stuff. Now, I got a question. How old is the son? Because that's a big difference. Well, I think he's about 29 now, going on 30 now. Yeah, he's 
she's going to have to, to go through some serious grief, uh, you know, counseling. Um, Kellen uh, Heron said on Facebook viewing, that's the area where they both, the son and the father needs to be dealt with. They both need a good, yes, a good counselor. Yes, yeah. yes. And, and this is true. This is true. But again, codependency will interrupt our, our lives. And this is this is one of, again, now it shifts. Like I said, the son was probably codependent on the mother. Now the mother is no longer in that spot, then now he's codependent on the father. You see what I'm saying? So like, Dad, I don't understand, you know, why, why are you not understanding that you need to stay faithful to Mom? And, you know, in his mind, he's cheating on his mother, but he's really not. Yeah. The, the the father's not cheating on his mother. The father's just going on with his life, which he's supposed to do. Because if he stays in grief, he will never go on, and he will become depressed, and, and then other things will start breaking down in his life. And there's a good chance that the son is experiencing depression. There's a good chance of it uh, that's not been dealt with either. Because if he hasn't gone to a counselor, a good counselor would actually have noticed, um, you know, if this if this young man is in depression. And because depression will also make you angry. It will make you angry, especially when you're going through grief. Yeah. It will make you very angry. Yeah. You see, I think our Facebook uh, has, view has a question. Hello, Giovanna Howard. Nice hearing from you again. She says, friendship, codependency, does that stem from family relationships too? Yes. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It comes from family relationships. Usually if there's a codependent trace or a lifestyle, let me say behavior, that's in family when a person is growing up, they usually take that same mindset to their adult life. That's what they do. Because of codependency, most people are not truly aware of it. They just they just do it. They don't know that it's codependency until something happens. And that's something when they fall in really uh diverse circumstances where, you know, they get they feel rejected by someone so badly to it puts them in at a severe depressed moment and they feel they can't go on without that person in their life or their approval, you know, um, it causes them to have great anxiety and may interrupt their ADLs because they start dwelling on the fact that person is not here, that person doesn't accept me, that person doesn't want to be involved in my life, you know. So they start to, to dwell on that. And when when people start to dwell on that, they start looking at other people uh, to be the same, but it's not. It's not, and it becomes very uh, unhealthy. Yes. You got a caller uh, that can maybe squeeze in before the break. Um, Okay. 312-833, your mic is open. Got a minute before the break already. Well, and y'all shalom. Grand Rising, I just want to welcome to you, our family, Minister oh, Plump. Oh, Minister Plump, how are you? Robert Floyd Plump, oh, yes. 
Uh, this is an excellent topic because I've had personal experience. First thing is uh, when brothers and sisters want to get married or anyone want to get married, they can call on me. <laughs> Minister Trump to marry them up. I believe, I believe they'll stay together for a lifetime. A lifetime is 50-plus years. I've seen my, my uh, grandmother and grandfather do that together. I've seen my father and my mother uh, uh, stay together for 40-plus years until she departed and uh, my father was left. And then uh, I've seen myself uh, stick and stay with my wife to 30 years. So we got a tradition uh, in terms of a long-time or a long-term family relationship, and, and especially marriage. I think that marriage is the law of God, you know, that is what God wants. See, family, to, to me, to honor God, to honor your father and honor your mother and honor the elders, that's family. That's fantastic. And thank God for you all, uh, Sister Naima Latif and the Female Solution, and especially for you, Dr. Debbie Green. You know, you all are fantastic, for real, for real, because you all are part of the real solution. We, we appreciate yeah. you as well. We got to take a break right now, but uh, okay. definitely want to uh, say thank you for your call. You know, he brought up something though, and I think that uh, we maybe need to to take a look at that after the break. There is kind of a uh, like you said, generational thing about uh, marriage, and sometimes if people stay single and, and they have relationships, but they don't get married. I know the generation before us really frowned on that, and that could also be a thing that affects people, you know, when their relation, their relationship that they're in isn't honored the way a spouse would be honored because the couple chooses for whatever reason not to marry and, you know, then they have to, I guess, fear the disapproval of those who don't validate a non-married intimate relationship. That that can have profound effect on family relations. we got to take a break, though. So uh, we'll come back, and if you're listening online and want to join this conversation, give us a call, 515-605-9325, and press 1 when you're ready to speak. And we'll come right to you and get your thoughts. You're listening to and watching the Female Solution Global Radio TV show. And, of course, this is Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green. And we will be right back after this quick break. So stay with us. Is Monday morning a struggle to get out of bed, into the swing of things? Well, don't worry, you are not alone. Join us for thought-provoking, stimulating, and mindful conversations on higher learning with Zelda Speaks for your Monday morning mindfulness sessions on Blog Talk Radio, The Female Solution, Mondays, 7.30 until 9 a.m. Be sure and send your ideas, thoughts, comments, and suggestions. Also, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit zeldaspeaks.com and send us your info. We'd love to have you. Experience mindfulness moments with the mindfulness slash stress relief coach, Zelda Speaks. And thanks for sharing the mindfulness moment tip of the day. Stay on purpose, stay empowered, and stay tuned to your next session of Mindfulness on Higher Learning with Zelda Speaks. 
make it a mindful day. And thanks for listening. Oh, man. God sent the monthly sun bill today. This sunlight is really expensive, especially during this season. I'll probably have to work overtime to pay it. Well, you better pay it on time. We don't want the sun to go out and we're sitting up here all day in the dark. Wouldn't it be terrible if God charged us for sunlight? Well, thank God, the light and heat from the sun is free. So why are we paying such high bills for the energy we use in our homes? Because we don't know how to use solar energy, the free energy from the sun. You can convert your regular home to a solar energy home and save tremendously on your electric bill. Take a look at your electric bill. Wouldn't you like to reduce or possibly even eliminate that cost altogether? Let one of our solar consultants show you how. Call today, 312-849-3456 and schedule a free consultation. That's 312-849-3456. Tune in to Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear great topics and stories on grief and turn it into victory. Join Dr. Debbie Green to listen to stories of triumph and learn how to overcome. You are not alone in your life and there is hope in the darkest hour. This is your time to learn strategies and solutions to improve your life. It's your time. So join Dr. Debbie Green with Sofa Solutions and call in on Thursday at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at 515-605-9325 with comments and questions. Look to hear from you real soon.
the best we can do. So I don't know if, if that has changed our culture when it comes to relationships, if it's if it's changed the way, uh, like Kofi was saying, you know, people saying, well, when are you going to give me a grandchild? Because they're thinking, well, okay, we need the family structure where, you know, the, the, the child gets married and they have children and the, children, the grandchildren then are there to take care of me and that's kind of how it's supposed to go. I don't know if that has changed that whole dependency dynamic because the marriage culture has changed because people are finding it more difficult to stay in relationships. And so I don't know, have have expectations changed? Are people more afraid? Uh, Is it more painful because of breakups? You know, have have costly divorces, <laughs> the lawyers getting all the money, and that made people decide not to legally solidify their 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 unions now. Oh uh, yeah, of course. Um, you know, since 2020, uh, last time I checked uh, statistics, it was the the marriage divorce rate was up like 35 percent. You know, mm-hmm. so I mean, and then uh, I think it starts it started to increase. So it's probably up in the 50th uh, percentile at this point because of the dysfunctions in the marriage. You have so much uh, domestic and family violence, you know. And, again, uh, it's from these areas of codependency going bad. You know, my life revolves around yours. Yours revolves around mine. You know, I can't have, you know, there's, there's no separation. And I expect you to be what I want you to be and you expect me to be what you want me to be. And when that doesn't happen, then somebody gets hurt. Somebody's feelings are hurt. So yeah. there's no there, there's no even keel bonding, as I would call it. It has to be even keel bonding. You know, it has to be aware, you know, hey, if you don't agree with me, okay, I still understand and love you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we're not going to go and keep these bouts of I call you know heavyweight champion fights going on and on and on, you know what I'm saying? And and you know if you're honest and you're truthful and you keep that that momentum going, then it eliminates a lot of this underlying area of dysfunction because again passive aggressiveness, you're not mm. honest. You're just allowing things to happen, mm. but you're not honest. You so, do it, but you really don't want to do it. Mm. So do people really need to learn how to be married before they get into a relationship Absolutely. that is, is yes. that, that codependent, controlling kind of thing or the using of, of passive-aggressive, you know, withdrawal of affection if you don't do what I want. And so now, you know, there's the manipulation or always fear that your spouse is going to be mad and, you know, uh, withdraw affection or withdraw money or whatever their their control mechanism is. And and for a lot of people who grew up in dysfunction, for them that is what marriage means. And so that's what they don't want. And that's what I'm seeing. The trend that I'm seeing is most people saw very codependent, dysfunctional behavior in their household. That's what yeah. they defined as marriage, so when they get ready to have a personal relationship, they don't want that tie that strangles you, and so they want to be free to love and free to leave at the same time, 
And yet that creates another whole set of issues, whether it's economics because you don't have things that you own collectively that you're, you know, transferring to your children and building wealth, you know, whether it's just the dysfunction of, you know, parents being absent in the raising of a child after you split and, you know, all these things. And yet, from what I've seen, it's it's the fear of that codependent, dysfunctional relationship that people saw in their household growing up that makes them shy away from a marriage bond altogether because for so many people, marriage means dysfunction and codependency and loss of your ability to function as an independent human being in an area where you can be respected for your choices. So it seems like we need to meet a whole different course on, on what what a healthy marriage looks like because most people don't seem to remember seeing one. Right. Uh, uh, one of our Facebook viewers saying some really uh, good stuff over here. I'm going to uh, share that uh, when she mentions this. I learned that marriage counseling, we are both too old to change each other, mm. you know. And she also, and I think that's a great point because when you go into a relationship, you accept that person as they are. And, and if you can't, if that person, if you don't have chemistry with them, then it's not going to grow. So you might not even take it seriously. But if you got chemistry with them, then you have to accept them for who they are. Now, the best thing to do is to bring it all, like I say, bring it all out in the opening. So whatever uh, nerds or, or we call, you know, bells and whistles or red flags or whatever's going to come out, it needs to come out at the beginning stages of a relationship, not in the middle or the end. You know what I'm saying? Because it's going mm-hmm. to cause a major a major problem. She also said uh, right here, I've learned to accept my husband for who he is, and he had to accept me for who I am. And that that's extremely important that that we do that. This is going to break the lines of codependency, because that way I don't you're not looking for someone to do something. You're not always trying to find or soak up that, that person's approval of your of what you think because you're comfortable within yourself and that person needs to be comfortable within themselves. So you have self-approval, but your approval should not have a big emphasis on what someone else says or does. You should complement each other. That's mm-hmm. what it is. It's complement each other. It should be a balance there. Where, where you may not be strong, then he will be strong, and vice versa. It should be a balance. You see what I'm saying? That's the way it's, it's supposed to be done. But if you, when you get in, involved in a relationship where um, you may struggle with this, there's one more comment that she also made, but you as a person must learn to separate what's good and, and what's bad from your family. Then yeah. develop your your family values, and that's major right there. That's a major major thing because a lot of people again are still living their family ideals and not determining anything on their own, and so they're they're still looking for satisfaction, looking for someone to tell them it's okay for me to be me, mm-hmm. you know. And 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 that's if that person doesn't agree that you are who you know they don't, they can't see you. Through their eyes. See, this is the thing that people don't realize something, right? 
apart. That's when dysfunction and defective relationships then take uh, precedence over that person's life and they find themselves again, we go right back into that self-defeat, self-sabotage, you know, self-destructive mode. I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. They don't love me. They don't love you because they can't see you. They can't Mm. understand you. How can they love? See, people can only love. Let me say this. They can only love in the capacity that they love in. Now, see, some people don't know how to love 100% because they didn't experience that love from growing up. You see what I'm saying? Mm. They may not have a parent that was emotionally available for them to let them know it's all right. You can love yourself. You don't have to always look for me to give you this or look for me to tell you that. You know, let me help you love and listen to your own being so that you are able to make conscious decisions for yourself. Okay, that may have never happened. So what does that person do? They grow up looking and seeking it outside themselves. So that's when they walk on these eggshells, you know, trying to please somebody, trying to look for somebody else's validation again, appreciation, approval. And if that person's not giving it to them, oh, you don't love me, oh, you don't like me, oh, you don't this. It's not that. It's just that it's not supposed to come from them anyway. It's supposed to come from what's inside of you. Mm. It's supposed to come from what's inside of you, not from your mother, not from your father. You have to be the predeterminant of your own fate. And if you're not comfortable with yourself, you need to ask them, what makes me uncomfortable with me? That I have to always look to find, to search for someone to tell me that I am loved. So how do you, if you were raised by very critical parents, which many of us were, and there's always a fear of parental disapproval, even into your adult years, because I've seen a lot of people that are still worried about, you know, that sharp tongue from their mother because that's what controlled their behavior their whole lives, and so they're still responding to that. How does a person cut the ties in their own mind so that they are no longer needing that validation or no longer affected by that person's disapproval. Because, I mean, what's the worst thing a person can do? They, I mean, you're grown. They can't spank you anymore. You know, they can't banish you to your room anymore. So what is the fear? Is it fear of withdrawal of affection, withdrawal of love, withdrawal of approval of that parent who you've been conditioned to look to for approval and love, and if you don't get it, you feel bad about yourself because that's kind of how they conditioned you by the way they raised you. How do you undo that? How do you recognize it, first of all, and then how do you undo that as an adult so that you can have healthy self-esteem? Well, first of all, you got to realize if that's a fear that's interrupting your life, you have to acknowledge it. You, got, you have to know what your needs, wants, and desires are in life, period, not just from other people. You see what I'm saying? And the, the goal is to realize if you, are, if you are still thinking with your childhood mind, then you're going to live your childhood mind in your adult life. Mm. You see what I'm saying? When we were a child, we, we thought as a child, 
But when we became adults, we put away childish things. Okay, that was the word of God. And what he meant by that was is that when you were a child, you lived in whatever your mother or father's home or whatever the case may be. You see what I'm saying? And you may have not gotten what you needed then. You may not felt the love. You may not may have not felt nurtured. You may have saw that everything was just bad or a negative or dysfunctional or whatever the case may be. However, at some given point in your life, this self-responsibility got to kick in. It has to kick in. If you can feed yourself, if you can clothe yourself, if you can give yourself water when you're thirsty, okay, you need to take care of your inner being. There's no excuse that you cannot take care of your inner being. So when the little child didn't get what it needs, the adult child needs to give it what it what it wants, mm. what it what it's, what it's yearning for. We need to fulfill our yearning in ourselves and stop looking for other people to, to fit this bill, to fill that bold void, because there's a hole, mm. there, there, there's a void that's inside of us, and that void is not completed, it is not filled with another human being. It's, it's filled with yourself, it's filled with you believe in a higher power, it's filled with those things. Otherwise, you're going to keep living the brokenness. You're going to keep living the fragmentation. You're going to keep living the impactment that you had when you were a child. There's two sides to the hemisphere. There's two yeah. sides to every coin. There's two sides to life. Choose life or death. That's all it is. Ain't no gray shady area. What is life? Life is I, I need to live abundantly. What does that mean? That doesn't mean to just have money or jewels or a big house, a fancy car. No, I need to live abundantly. I need to make decisions for myself because if I don't make them for me, who's going to make them? Right. You see what I'm saying? I got to know where I'm driving to. I got to know my hand is on the wheel of life. Okay, if I take my hand off, guess what? Autopilot going to take over. Mm. Autopilot is your subconscious mind. And if that mind has been traumatized, if that mind has been abused, if that mind has been in grief or despair or anger, guess what? It's going to lead your life. And, that's, and this is the same thing dealing with codependency. Most people want to hold on to somebody because they don't know how to hold on to themselves. So wow. it's easy for them to hold on. Let me hold on to you. I need you because mm. I don't know how to need myself. I lost myself a long time ago. I never even knew who I was. Ooh. You see what I'm saying? So I lost identity. I lost identity along the way of life. So here's the adult me that's suffering. The adult me is suffering because I didn't get it. I didn't get it when I was younger. Okay, I can either I can either do one or two things. I can soak in this. I can allow it to destroy my life. Or I can say to myself, okay, self, get it together. You are not a victim. You're not going to be enslaved to nothing that hurts you. You are free. You are free in your mind. You're free in your spirit. And freedom is free. You ain't got to buy it. You ain't got to bottle with it. You ain't got to borrow it. And you ain't got to steal it. You just got to live it. Mm. Freedom is free. You know how many people walking in bondage right now and don't have to be in bondage? Oh, many. Yeah. You know how many people are walking right now they're so angry and rageful that they want to destroy themselves? I just actually, let me tell you something very quickly. I read, I mean, and I see this all the time because I study different things when it comes to COVID, when it comes to domestic 
arrive. Rise is coming very soon. Right. It's coming like next month. And I'm going to be on every social media platform. Every day I'm going to be posting. Rise it means, it means reaching inwardly for spiritual empowerment. Mm. We have to realize something. That everything that we're looking for is on the inside of us and not on the outside of us. Yeah. And that's the problem. This man, I read this. This is, this happened uh, just recently, like the last couple of days. This father, this father, this family was torn to pieces by one choice. He took his three, four, seven-year-old, lined them up, and he killed them. He shot oh. them dead. In front of, in front of his daughter, his daughter and his wife. It's horrifying. What mental illness did he have? What, what, what was happening in him? Sickness. Mental illness turned into rage. Sickness. Sickness. And and nobody was able to, nobody was able to intervene before it got to that point? He said it. Guess what? Most people self-destruct. Right? Mm. They usually kill themselves. You know what this man did? He sat down on his step, called the police, and waited for them to come get him. Wow. The mother got injured because she was trying to protect the child. She got injured. He sat there and waited. Okay, now let's examine this. What what was going on in this man's mind? He told the police he was he was playing this for months. So what went wrong? Wow. Now most people don't see codependency in this, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and spot it out for you, okay? Mm. It's a good chance this man was abused in some way when he was a child. Yes. He had to have been abused in some type of way, whether it's emotional, mental, physical, mm. something mm. went mm. terribly wrong in his life. Okay, so he grows up, right? He grows up and gets into a relationship. And I'm sure he had more than a relationship before this marriage he was in. Mm. It's a good chance that he was not getting along with his wife, okay? There's wow. a good chance this was a very turbulent relationship to the point the way he wanted to hurt her. This was something directed to the mother. You know wow. why I can say that? Why did he not kill her? So he wanted, he wanted her to suffer by yes. saying that. Yes. That's horrifying. Well, you got, you yes. got a, I know we only got a couple of minutes. You got a That's couple of callers. Uh, uh, you know, each, each one of you got about 30 seconds if, if you're able to take the call. Uh, you got um Okay, I'm going to take you in this order. Uh, 706-202, then 773-737. Uh, you got about 30 seconds before we go to get your question or comment for Dr. Debbie Green. 706-202, introduce yourself to our listening and viewing audience and give us your question for Dr. Debbie Green. Assalamu alaikum and grand rising to Dr. Debbie Green. Excellent show. And codependency, in recovery, we learned that 
people have a hole in their head and the codependent knows where to put is the rock that knows how to fill that hole in their head. And until that person knows how to fill themselves with themselves, and that's what she was talking about, and being able to understand, you know, that it's not them outside of you, it's in you. And all that we need, we're born with. The part of it is it got damaged somewhere along the line as it began to grow. And that's the part of being able to repair that which is needed to make the person whole before you can have a relationship outside of yourself. You have to learn how to love yourself. Wow, that's a, that's a good one, brother. Hole in the head. Thank thank you for that image. That 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 did that's it. Uh, I think we got maybe thirty seconds for the other caller. Seven seven three seven three seven. Your mic is open. Got about thirty seconds before we have to go. Go right ahead with your question for Dr. Debbie. Well, hallelujah, greetings, global transformers, Mama D in Chicago. The sins hey. of the parents are visited on the children, trying to live up to unrealistic expectations. Marriage on the big screen was happy ever after. Remembering back, my parents' Mm. relationship was not real. What was real was make-believe. Just that. Wow. Thank you, Mama D. Yeah, I think that's the thing. You know, we grew up watching those those shows, you know, Father Knows Best and, you know, all and maybe, maybe that's a reality, but you got to learn how to create that. And we didn't have that in our homes, for real. That's, that's what she's saying. That's pretty much it. So in our last minute, Dr. Debbie, last words of wisdom before we go. It's extremely important that you really take the time out and, again, do some surface, but also some deep soul searching, okay? Find yourself in a place where you uh, can fulfill your needs and wants without them. And when you do that, you will also find the love that God has created already inside of you. Be blessed and enjoy. And again, thank you, YouTube, uh, for watching. Please subscribe to our channel. We need you. We need to know what your comments are. Thank you, Facebook watchers. Uh, Thank you, viewers. As always, thank you so much. What I do, I give my best, and I know that's good enough because guess what? It's all well and good, right? our show today, but you can hear every show in the archives at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution. You can also hear today's show on the Female Solution Facebook page. Go to www.facebook.com slash thefemalesolution. Leave your comments about today's show. You can always reach me on my website at www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. Watch our TV shows, listen to our radio shows, order our books, and be sure to get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to thank all of you who participated in today's discussion. 
And to our global family listening from all around the world, we say thank you. To our family in China, Sheshe, India, Zanyaba, Japan, Arigato, Korea, Kamsanida, Russia, Spasiba, Germany, Danke, Poland, John Kujum, France, Merci, Spain, Gracias, Italy, Grazie, Egypt, Shukran, Ghana, Medasi, Nigeria, Eshe, South Africa, Ngiabonga, Senegal, Jared, Kenya, Asante, Israel, Toda, Pakistan, Shukriya, Afghanistan, Tashakur, Saudi Arabia, Shukran. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Thank you. And may peace be upon you and the mercy of God and God's blessings.